So I got my hair cut this last week. I think it was, you know, it's, you know, it was getting a little fuzzy on the sides. And so we, you know, a few weeks ago, months ago, we talked a little bit about what kind of people we are, what our internal personalities are. And you guys said, you know, I told you that I was an introvert. Okay, I'm on that introvert, extrovert stale. So whenever I go into the hairdresser to have my hair cut, you'll find this interesting. I generally don't talk to the person that's cutting my hair. It's interesting. I just, whenever I go in to get my hair cut, one, it doesn't take that long. <laughs> I know you find that hard to believe, but generally there's one lady that used to cut my hair in less than five minutes. Those you can tell. But, you know, uh, but, uh, so I generally don't talk much to the person cutting my hair. But the person cutting it this last week was rather chatty. And he really wanted to know some things about me. So we started talking, and, and he wanted to know where I usually got my hair cut, you know, kind of what I did, how I cared for my hair, what I liked about it, all this kind of stuff. And then came the inevitable question, so what do you do? Now, I'm always, at this point, I have a choice to make. Do I say what I do for a living, or do I say something else? Because you never know exactly where that's going to lead. On this day, though, I said, I get to serve a church in Richmond, Kentucky. Oh, interesting. I grew up Pentecostal, and he began to talk about church. So we chatted and chatted and chatted. And he said, so what are you preaching on tomorrow? And I said, I'm preaching on the gospel of unicorns. Now, I said that as I wanted to make sure that his scissors were as far away from my head as possible whenever I said that. And he stopped. I mean, literally just stopped. And I know, surely you probably know this, hairdressers hear everything. I do not think he had ever heard that one before in his entire life. And as I mentioned, I had not preached a sermon on unicorns in my entire history of being in the church. I've never done a youth group on unicorns. I've never done a Sunday school lesson on unicorns. I really was not that up on unicorns in the Bible before a few weeks ago when I was approached and someone said, did you know that there are unicorns in the Bible? And so I started looking. I started researching. I started delving in deep. I went down the unicorn rabbit hole. And let me tell you, if you want to spend an afternoon of fun, go on to YouTube and type unicorn. <laughs> You're going to see so much glitter and rainbow and, and, and sparkly things throughout there. It is fascinating. What I found was really interesting. First off, it is in the Bible nine different places, but it's only in one translation, and that is the King James Version. The King James Version is the only one that translates this Hebrew word into unicorn. The word is re'em. If we were to spell that out in, with English language, it is, with English letters, it is an R, an E, an apostrophe, another E, and an M. Ram. 
Now, the interesting thing about that is with Hebrew scripture or with Hebrew writings is that we don't generally get the ver uh, the, the vowels. What we get are mainly the consonants. So we would have gotten an R and then an, kind of a, a little mark that would have given us an idea of how to say the word and then M. There is no translation for Ram. It is, um, the best word that we have is monocaris, and it means one-horned being. Interesting. If you know when the King James Version was translated, it was translated actually from the Latin, okay, into Middle English. Think about England and that Middle English kind of time. What are the stories that come out of that? King Arthur. It's mythical things. There's a lot. This, the, the ideas around the unicorn find a significant amount of kind of traction in that place. But that's not just the only place. I mean, even in Scotland. Did you know that in Scotland they use that, the image of the unicorn as the national symbol? Some people say it's in um, direct kind of, uh, uh, kind of a, a contradiction to the, uh, uh, to the English using the lion. And they felt like, well, what's more powerful than a lion? A unicorn. <laughs> so that's why the Scottish picked it up. But you'll find it if you go over to Scotland and you look all over, you'll find it in the crests of things. You'll find it on doors. You'll find it all over the castles and everything over there. It also plays a huge part in the Indian culture, as well as China. China has four mythical beasts that they kind of, creatures that they celebrate. The phoenix, the dragon, the tortoise, and the unicorn. When Marco Polo went to explore the east, he came back with stories of this majestic one-horned beast. So we find, it, we find it all throughout our cultures, all throughout things that are happening. And so especially during that time when the King James Version found this word, Ram, they translated it as unicorn. Now, if you were to go in the Bible that's there that you're in, your, in, in the pew or maybe the one at home, you're probably going to find it as oxen. That's probably how they're going to translate it, as oxen. And so we miss unicorn. That's why I missed it for forever. It's because I mainly work out of the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible, and it's not mentioned in there, just once, not once. So I wanted to learn more about the unicorn. It's interesting how it's found its way throughout all of history. People look back, and when Marco Polo came back about this idea of this mythical beast that he called a unicorn over in the East, in India and China and those areas, they said, well, really what he was looking at was a rhinoceros. Because when he described what this being was, it was much larger. It was not quite as kind of, um, kind of smooth and, and, and sleek like a horse with that, with that horn on there. It was more, um, it had more of a, a kind of, of strength behind it. And what's interesting is I was talking about is that we mainly think about that unicorn that has a little twirly little thing on it. You know why? Well, because they feel like that that image of the horn came from England 
because they were finding unicorn horns. But they were getting those from the narwhal. Know what a narwhal is? And you think, the narwhal has a horn, right? It's a tooth. It has one tooth that sticks out long. And it's curled like that, multicolored. And the hunters would go up, and they would find and hunt the narwhal, cut off the tooth, and then bring it back and say, I found a unicorn horn, and sell it for significant amounts of money. Grind it up. They would use it. They felt like it had magical powers. But there's, there's something fascinating about the unicorn as well when it comes to our faith. Because there's something, when, when Ken reads the scripture he did today about the glories of God's creation, this is a scripture that lifts up all of the wonderful things that God is doing in the world. When we do that, and we come to this idea of an oxen, a lot of times we can move back into a place of kind of, this is just okay, I know what an oxen is. That's not really that special. But there's something that comes with the term of unicorn that brings a sense of wonder and majesty to the scriptures. And sometimes, sometimes I think we can lose that wonder and majesty in the faith in the midst of, of just taking it apart and talking about it so much, we're trying to figure it out. There's one person that really is interested in unicorns, and they talk about the fact that there have been archaeological digs to find a real unicorn. The question is, are unicorns real? And guess what? They found something like that. It was a large, very woolly kind of beast that came back years and years ago in prehistoric times. This animal had one horn, kind of like a rhinoceros that stuck out from the top. It was much beefier and taller than a horse was, but it was not quite as thick as a rhinoceros with the kind of scales on the outside. They found it in areas of Russia, and so they have termed it the Siberian unicorn. We can do that with faith. We can, we can find the archaeological pieces. We can take it apart. We can look at the scriptures. I mean, I can, I'm really good about finding the, the words and, and breaking them down, understanding what it is about the stories that are told from each perspective and what it has to say to us. And I think that that's important because there are certain times in life that we find that different translations or different preachers or different teachers have taken a word and have translated it to mean something that they want it to mean. And they've used it to push certain people out. We were having this conversation this last Wednesday about this idea of women keep silent in the church. Well, people have translated that. They've pulled it. They have 
taken it out of context. They've tried to break it down in a certain way to say certain things. And sometimes it's helpful to look back at where it came from. And in other times, when we break it down like that and we pull it and we break each word apart, we lose the beauty of what it is as well. I have a writer that has always spoken to me, and his name's uh, Mike Iaconelli. And he wrote a book called Dangerous Wonder. If you're looking for a fun one to look at that kind of talks a little bit about faith, I commend it to you. It's a terrific one. But he talks about the fact that many times we're more comfortable with a faith that we can put down on a piece of paper, that we can have checklists about it. A God that we can write everything about because it's easier to comprehend. And a lot of times, finding a God that is um, that we can discover about, but we can name, feels more comfortable to us. Rather than a God that is so much larger than what we can see. Because a lot of times what we have deep in our, size, uh, in our souls is that when we talk about God's love, when we talk about God's creation, when we talk about God's work within the world, we want to be able to see it. We want to be able to experience it. But in the back of our minds, we're saying, you know, God's love really isn't quite as large. What is unconditional love? What is this understanding of God's touch of all creation, that God can be in all these places and that God can speak to us in all these different ways? How is it that we can wrap our minds around something that is so large? Let's just find something a little smaller. Something that we can check off the boxes of to make sure that God loves us. Rather than understanding the, the immensity of God. The beauty. The power around that. Unicorns can remind us that there are things that are out there that are larger, that are more beautiful. The fascinating thing about them is that mythology tells us that they were rarely seen, that they were found in the deep recesses of the forest. And that if you got a chance to glimpse a unicorn, you had seen something special. Let us not reduce the experience of God. Let us not reduce the things that we can see and place God in these nice little easy boxes. I invite you this week to open up your eyes to see where God is speaking to us, where God is reaching out to us. I hope this week that maybe you see a sunrise or a sunset that takes your breath away. Because you could just look out there and see that sunrise or that sunset out on the horizon. You could say, well, that's just a collection of gases 
far in the distance, rotating, moving around in the Milky Way, and we're just an Earth rotating as well, and it'll be there tomorrow. It's light rays coming in, reflecting off the back of our retina. We could reduce it down to that. Or we could allow it to be a sacred and beautiful moment that reminds us of who God is. May the unicorn remind us of that as well. As we seek out a relationship that is with God that is unique, mysterious, beautiful, majestic. Good luck this week finding your unicorn. Amen. Thank you for listening to the White Oak Pond Christian Church Podcast. We hope that it's been a blessing to you this day. White Oak Pond seeks to be a place where we accept one person at a time to Christ's never-ending and forgiving love. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you can receive sermons each and every week. And also rate us. It really helps. Thank you again, and may you know joy in powerful ways this week.